Welcome to the Holy Maneuver Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Mike. We're two hardworking dads trying to immerse ourselves into Star Wars and fit it into our very busy lives. This is your first time listening in the short form Star Wars podcast. We'll share our thoughts on different topics from a galaxy far, far away. Hey, Mark, what did Leia's adoptive parents say when she used to get sleepwalk as a child? Hmm. I'm not sure. What did they say? <laughs> oh, no, it's the rise of Skywalker. Well, I guess the Force Awakens. All right, everyone, and we are back this week with another episode covering the third part of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. And this week, we have a very special guest with Mr. Adam Frazier. Welcome, Adam. Hey, guys. How's it going? Welcome, uh, welcome. Yeah, uh, we kind of said this off mic, but uh, Mike. <laughs> he, kinda, wants kinda, kinda, yeah, he wants yeah, it recorded. Yeah, I want to want, want, want record it. <laughs> I've been told Adam is a veritable Star Wars expert. And if I had to rank the uh, people on the show right now, Adam would be our PhD master class. Mark would be having a bachelor's degree going for a master's degree. And I'd be that kid in kindergarten putting paste in his butt trying to see how it tastes. That's the level of expertise we're dealing with here. Eloquent I'm not ashamed. And it's brevity. <laughs> yeah so we just want to we just want to set expectations up top at the beginning of this episode for everybody uh so i guess kind of segue from there you were at uh star wars celebration this past weekend in anaheim i went the last time like or i guess the only time i went was back in 2005 to celebration three. Oh wow uh, was, was that the was this the first one that you had gone to or have you been to, to multiple ones this was just the second one. I went to um, Orlando in 2017. It was great. I'm just extremely tired. Um, yeah. you know, I went to California. I, I walked uh, like 20,000 steps a day for seven days straight and didn't do a whole lot of relaxing, but uh, it was uh, it was super fun. Um, we took a few days before a celebration, my wife and I, Marissa, and uh, went to Los Angeles and went to Disneyland and finally went to galaxy's edge for the first time and got to experience that. So it was a whole week of uh, star Wars craziness. Yeah. I, I still want to get to, to galaxy's edge uh, sometime soon. We're trying to plan a, a trip to Orlando uh, for later this year. So ironically, even though I live closer to Disneyland, I'll probably right. visit Batu East before I visit Batu West. <laughs> yeah. I've, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm in North Carolina. I assume that my first trip would have been to Orlando, but it turned out to be to Anaheim. So I guess yeah, that's so we, we did. We did it the, the opposite way. Yeah. The only thing I have from there is that, well, this is this podcast is just audio this week, but I, I have a hat someone picked up for me a few years ago when they went. So that's my my bit of galaxies. Got to use more adjectives, Mark. You got to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it was funny. I was surprised. I um. Uh, well, I did get a couple of uh, like plushies. Um, I saw a plushie of Watto and Jabba that I uh, couldn't resist. And then we did the droid depot uh, deal where we built a droid, which was super fun. But really, I was surprised at how much I wasn't interested in, in a lot of the merchandise because it is really geared toward um, kids. And, you know, I, I think Disney lovers first and foremost, more so than just you know star wars fans per se that raises an interesting point and just i've always thought this since disney bought star wars and kind of made more mainstream i've felt like you have star wars fans and disney fans and nobody really yes. believes me and i'm like i could walk up to someone in a star wars shirt and ask him a question and still get called a nerd 
because they're just a Disney fan. Like nobody like in my family is like, it's all the same. I was like, no, it's not like you don't understand. Yeah. And there's, there's hardcore Disney people that are now more so interested in Marvel and star Wars because brought into the Disney family and they're part of that, you know, park experience. Yeah. That makes sense. Sick. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say celebration was, you know, um, crazy, uh, Went to a lot of panels, uh, s- stood in a lot of queues, uh, but thankfully with the the lottery system, you know, I didn't have to sleep on concrete again and stay right. in for 24 hours and stuff. So that was nice. But overall, it was a great experience meeting a lot of people from online. And yeah, it was just a super positive atmosphere as well. Nice. Yeah, I've shared this, this story before kind of briefly, like I guess in our show trailer, but um my my wife and I, who was then my my girlfriend back then, we had only been like dating for like, I think like three or four months at that time. I said that she would go with me, drive from New York State to Indianapolis, Indiana, to where Celebration Three was. Wow. Uh, she hadn't ever seen Star Wars at that point, <laughs> but she was willing to drive all that Little way with me <laughs> to go to go to the three day Star Wars cel- or convention in a different state just just because i wanted to go uh and yeah so i, I was like well this 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 lady's me <laughs> yeah but yeah i forgot the most important part of that story you had also... hair and you had it styled oh. to look like anakin yes oh my yeah oh yeah i talked i talked about this on our, our friend uh live action star wars when i went on their uh, show for the revenge of the sith discussion i talked about how i had I, I well when i had hair i grew it out to be basically the same length as hayden christensen's anakin haircut in that movie and then i had it permed to be like his like <laughs> like wavy hairstyle yeah. he had in that but yeah that's great yeah, that, that's how much i i dug into the star wars back in 2005 <laughs> but n- no regrets but go but, but from there you know uh we're gonna segue into talking about some of the so last last episode we talked about like this first part of all this news that came out of celebration yeah okay this is kind of the remaining news that we didn't talk about last time so the first bit uh that and i think i got what we didn't get last time in this but uh the first bit is going to be about the the second season trailer that they released for the bad batch uh, I know Mike has not seen the Bad Batch. I'm behind on that. Yeah. What did What did you think of the the trailer, Adam? Um, I thought it was tremendous. Um, I I really enjoyed the first season of the Bad Batch, and I, I can't say I was um, super interested in it beforehand. Um, yeah, just that's because, been my issue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love the Clone Wars and I love Rebels, but. Um, the idea of going back to maybe clone stories, I wasn't completely sold on it uh, to start with. But the moment I saw the first episode, I was like, wow, this is actually kind of my ideal Star Wars, because at least right now I'm in this place as a Star Wars fan where I'm I'm wanting less Jedi force stories and more just sort of um, stories about regular people in the galaxy. Um, and 
what I find with Bad Batch that's really interesting is even though there are a lot of cameos from characters like young Kanan is in the, the first episode, it's really less about uh, the force and things like that. And it's very heavy on smugglers and bounty hunters and all the kind of scum and villainy characters that I love. So I, I really enjoyed the first season of Bad Batch. And I think the animation is awesome, the way it's evolved yeah. from Clone Wars to Rebels and then, you know, Clone Wars season seven really upped things. And I thought Bad Batch was just really gorgeous um, in terms of its animation, just the lighting and the some of the like water textures and things like that. It's just very impressive. And so with this trailer, I was excited to see that evolution kind of take a step further. I mean, the I'm not sure how much time has passed between the seasons, but clearly there's been a you know a year or two enough for Omega to kind of grow some. But um, they all have new looks. The animation looks uh, uh, you know, it's very vibrant. There's some like very interesting worlds shown in the trailer, like another sort of tropical planet with giant crab creatures and stuff. So yeah, it, it looks great. Yeah. Um, Mike, mm-hmm. uh, here, here's the elevator pitch to you to watch Bad Batch. Think of <laughs> Ninja Turtles, but as clone troopers. Yeah. Which Ninja Turtles? The, well, the main four. No, no, no. Which version of them? The well, um, if you tell me Turtles in Time, I'm not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> the the 80s cartoon. No, I watched the trailer and I, I'm interested. It's something I want to watch. It's just it never piqued my interest more than something else. So I never watched it. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting that a lot of times when Star Wars introduces a new sort of um, story thread, it it can kind of feel inconsequential, inconsequential. Mm-hmm. like you don't really know, okay, well, this is cool, but does it really matter? And then they make it matter. <laughs> you know, they keep yeah. it to things to where it's uh, essential. And, you know, I think if you look at the way that the prequels have been uh, revised for the most mm-hmm. part, the, for a lot of people that have uh, given, a, give them uh, a second look, it's mostly because of the clone wars building interest in that time period and filling in the gaps of the characters and things like that, that they actually improved the prequels. If you took the time to watch the clone wars, et cetera. Right. Um, Bad batch is kind of serving as this interesting bridge between the prequel era and what, what we've got with rebels and rogue one, this sort of, and solo this very pre Hmm. original trilogy. So it's just always interesting when they explore a new sort of time period and they they work their way forwards and backwards from it. Um, right. Yeah. And then I, I love same with Adam. I enjoy when it's not about the Skywalker saga characters, when you get like rogue one, yes, you had Darth Vader, Darth Vader at the end and Leia in there at the end, but for the most part, it wasn't about people you really knew. Yeah. yeah. So I, I can see myself liking Bad Batch. I just have to fit it in there with all the other content I got to watch. <laughs> and it's so crazy, too, that I feel like it's also um, at this hand in hand with sort of what the Mandalorian mm-hmm. uh, shared universe is doing, if you will. They're both um, introducing introducing these threads that are sort of strengthening and underlining the sequel trilogy as well right. by exploring 
you know, clone experimenting and things like that. So I'm very interested to see how Bad Batch ties into the, the end of season one of Bad Batch really sort of suggests some involvement with Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, so it, it will be interesting to see how that carries over into live action with the Ahsoka series, which will also feature Thrawn. So yeah. it's interesting how they've made it all connect. Yeah, we, and we talked about this slightly uh, last time where that Sabine had been uh, cast finally for the Ahsoka series. And then uh, uh, Chopper is going to be confirmed to be yeah. in there now. And then uh, Hera is going to be in there too. Yep. So I was like, I was like, I'm just waiting for them to announce that they're going to have Zeb in there too. Can I, and then, then just, like, imagine like what he's going to look like in live action. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about Zeb yet, but it, if for all intents and purposes, it does seem to be the live action rebel rebels sequel. So. Yeah. Uh, and I'll eventually get you to, to watch it, Mike too. Cause we're going <laughs> to once Ahsoka and all that starts coming around, we're, we're going to have to do some rewatches so that I mean, they can introduce I just got it. done with Stranger Things, so TV is kind of light right now for me. So there's <laughs> hope. Well, this is where the fun begins. Uh, but was, speaking of uh, Ahsoka and uh, animated or animation, the uh, Disney announced the return of Ahsoka and Qui-Gon Jinn in the new animated series Star Wars Tales of the Jedi. I'll let uh, Mike kind of take the, the little bit of this uh, news to begin with. Yeah. I mean, they announced it. They didn't say much about it, but they did announce that they're going to uh, kind of go back and look at uh, Ahsoka's origin there. You have her, what's believed to be her mother in the shot there. I'm trying to open the link. It's not working. Hold on. No worries. But yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's basically like an anthology series. Uh, yeah, that's, that's gonna be coming this fall. Cause you have, and it's all voice. So we're gonna get Qui Gon, Liam Neeson away from the Taken crap and back into something that matters. <laughs> so this is really interesting because I, so <clears throat> I'm not sure if you've talked about Tales of the Jedi previously or sort yeah, of where not, first not with up. me at least. This is my third episode, so not with me. <laughs> Back around Christmas, there was a photo going around of the Lucasfilm uh, gift that all employees got, which was a, uh, I think it was a 45 record player, like a suitcase style. And the box that it came in, it had all the shows, sort of the current working projects. You know, it had um, Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, Visions, um, Obi-Wan, etc., and then it had this logo for Tales of the Jedi. And everybody was like, what is that? And immediately it was sort of um, uh, suspected that it was a new animated series because we had kind of heard that um, something else was in development there. So that's sort of where the buzz began on Tales of the Jedi. And then um, right before Celebration, I guess the news was going around that it was going to be a kind of an anthology series, but we didn't really know much about it. And um, I went to the panel at Celebration and uh, it was really interesting how Filoni uh, said this project came together. Basically, it's six episodes. Three of them are going to be focused on Ahsoka, and three of them are going to be focused on a young Count Dooku. Interesting. And um, 
they're they're shorts so they're probably like uh, and we got to see the first uh episode of ahsoka's at the panel in its entirety and i would say it was somewhere between 10 and 15 minutes um so each short's going to be around that length and they they just tell these kind of one-off stories at very pivotal moments in each character's life that we haven't seen before in clone wars or what have you so the episode we saw with ahsoka was her being born and who her mother is and where she comes from and how they discovered that she uh, is potentially, you know, could be a Jedi. And it was awesome. I mean, it was so good. And the, and the animation was fantastic. It's, it's um, in terms of the style of the animation, it's definitely in line with Bad Batch, but in terms of the, the visual storytelling, it's very uh, minimalistic. There's not a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of, um, a lot of like atmosphere and mood. It, it really felt like Filoni kind of channeling those Kurosawa vibes in animation uh, in the same way visions really did uh, as well. So we saw that first episode and then we saw a trailer and the trailer was super cool because it shows young Count Dooku with Qui-Gon as his Padawan. And we see how uh, Count Dooku essentially falls from being a Jedi. You know, that's something that's kind of, it's talked about in the prequels, but they gloss over it kind of quickly that he's mm-hmm. one of, uh, I think it's the lost 20 or something like that, that he's one yeah. of these that willingly left the council because he disagreed with them. So we are going to see that uh, trajectory for Count Dooku. And yeah, Qui-Gon is back as a Padawan. And and I believe if I heard Filoni right, he did mention that Liam Neeson would be voicing the character in some capacity, but he also said that Liam Neeson's son would be voicing the younger version of yeah, him. So that makes sense. So that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and I'm assuming that, you know, it's all, it's all, the show's already done. Filoni basically teased us and said that we could watch, we could have watched all six cause they're already, you know, already. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, it looks like it's going to be another kind of exciting thing like visions where every year we get uh, some anthology stories about, um, different characters, uh, in this case, specifically Jedi. I'm, I'm sure Filoni wants to do a Plo Koon, uh, series. Uh, so, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, that remind. there was like this book series, uh, like years ago, I don't remember what it was called, but like, that's where I remember like for like this whole storyline was, uh, where I think it was like, it was like about legacy too. And like the cover was like, uh, Yoda with Dooku and then like, Dooku with uh, Qui-Gon, Qui-Gon with Obi-Wan, and then Obi-Wan with Anakin on the cover with kind of like the story that with Anakin and Obi-Wan, but it, it like parceled back all the way through like the different like. Oh, yeah. Like, that sounds I familiar. I don't remember what it was called. Though. I just remember I, I bought it and my, my son read it like years ago from like yeah. a book fair. But like when I first heard about this, I was like, oh, that's cool. I'll finally get to like see kind of like this ton like done individual story yeah and the the trailer showed windu and uh, i'm pretty sure yoda was in there and i'm also fairly sure that yaddle was in there which got oh, a nice. big a big round of applause <laughs> in the uh in the auditorium so but, maybe uh, we'll, we'll see how yaddle and yoda made grogu <laughs> <laughs> or i'm assuming how we will learn maybe why yaddle left the jedi council because i guess that's a thing with her is um sometime between episode one and two she drops out of the uh council so 
because Yoda didn't want to pay child support for her. <laughs> She, she was like, well, I'm out. I'm out. But yeah, uh, with all, all those references to, to Visions, uh, that actually uh, got announced that a season two of that's going to be coming out soon as well, too. Uh, it, it was, uh, I think, believed that it was going to be coming out this fall, but now it's going to be coming out in uh, the spring of next year. And the little bit of the difference between the, like I guess, volume one, season one, and season two of this is that where season one was all uh, like Japanese anime based uh, season two is going to be kind of spread out more like around uh, the entire world with uh, like cultural influences from other countries like Spain, Ireland, and India. And like how those different cultures and they have like their own takes and uh, stories uh, connected to this same galaxy far far away so like the same way like we kind of brought up like kurosawa uh with star wars so it should be interesting to see like what they're going to be doing with season two with how these the anthology series is gonna you know like have like the irish influence on right i immediately of like the wolf walkers that style animation you know is that what they're getting at with a uh with a star wars short inspired by ireland um it's, yeah it's it's interesting uh spain ireland india they referenced it'd be cool if they did like an italian like they literally did a spaghetti western version of star wars. Be yeah, there we go. the bollywood one with a dance sequence yeah they could totally do that That would be crazy um get liam neeson for the ireland one too and just have him play go. a different character yeah um, so yeah, that's exciting. I, I really liked visions and I think uh, it's cool to keep it out of the canon and let people just fully explore the universe and tell the stories they want to tell and not be uh, constrained by um, having to fit it into the already somewhat complicated timeline. So. Yeah. It's cool. They have kind of have like basically the, um, just like, I guess more or less for better, a lack of a better term, like a Star Wars um, what if series, but kind of yeah. sort of. Yeah, totally. But to kind of segue into our last bit of news that's uh, going to lead us straight into our main topic this week was that back uh, last week on uh, late Thursday night, uh, early Friday morning, when they debuted Obi-Wan on Disney Plus, it scored disney plus its most uh watched premiere ever i'm trying to find the like exact number on there but uh you you got this did you get to see i know that they showed it there at celebration did you were you in the crowd i got to see it yeah when um i was lucky enough to get one of the lottery passes to the studio showcase panel um and so we got into the panel and when they let us into the room, they were giving out this extra uh, wristband. And I was like, well, that's weird. I don't know why we need a wristband because, you know, I have a badge on and I got a QR code in the app. So I don't know what, you know, what this is for. And then we get through the panel for the Kenobi segment and they say, you know, when you came in the door, you got a wristband tonight at seven o'clock, that wristband gets you into the world premiere of Kenobi. So we came back uh, around 5.30 and got in the, the queue. And uh, yeah, we got to watch the first two episodes. And uh, it was, you know, it was wild. <laughs> we were, you know, watch, watching new Star Wars with, um, you know, 
a thousand crazy Star Wars fans is right. uh, oh, that energy had to be crazy. I'd, yeah, I'd highly recommend it. Um, <laughs> um, but at the same time, as soon as it was over, I was like, "Oh God, I don't, I don't know if I retained any of that." Um, so <laughs> I have to like watch it again immediately. You're too hyped. Yeah, there's so much yeah. going on. You know? um, but uh, yeah, it was quite the experience, and uh, man, I was really quite um, blown away by it. Um, I, and that's, I, I was expecting it to be very good because I, you know, I just think Deborah Chow's episodes of Mandalorian were great. And, um, I'd been following a lot of the spoilers and stuff because I'm, uh, hopelessly addicted to, uh, stuff like that. So, um, I had sort of been keeping up with what was going to happen on the show. And even still, um, I was just really impressed by, the execution of it i thought you know just the the cinematography and the storytelling and the acting and just all the little subtle nuances of it just worked so well so i totally get why it's the you know the biggest draw for for disney plus because it is dealing with something that whether older fans want to admit it or not you know the generation that grew up with the prequels they they love those movies and ewan's um portrayal of obi-wan is just as important if not more so than alec guinness's to a, a large group you know a large portion of the fan base so um can definitely see why it's been so popular well didn't guinness also like not believe in star wars he kind of didn't have much faith in it yeah, yeah, he just thought it was sort of a silly little kids thing, and he didn't. You witness it's like all in. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, uh, I think uh, if uh, I, and Alec Guinness too was sort of um, maybe perturbed that that's what he would be remembered for instead <laughs> of Bridge Over the River Kwai and some right. other great films and performances, but you know, it's great to see that Ewan and, and Hayden as well are able to. Uh, to come back to star Wars and feel truly appreciated by the fans. Um, whereas I don't think even, even though people did uh, like Ewan's performance uh, when those movies came out, I think they were more harsh on the films than they are now. So I think it's just nice that uh, they can enjoy that second chance. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that it's, it's kind of having like the, like a renaissance of, people going back and kind of reevaluating the the prequels at this point and the those that disney gallery series that uh, especially with like how Filoni speaks about and kind of breaks down different scenes from uh yeah. the prequels in that does does a great job of helping to boost that and he's a more or less a great uh era parent to to george lucas with the way that mm -hmm. he he does his storytelling and absolutely and He's kind of more or less like the, the last, well, I mean, not as far as like someone that's still like in charge of like storytelling, he's like the last one that like really worked side by side with George Lucas. So it's right. It's, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it was so interesting. This, this uh, celebration, you know, last celebration I went to is um, was the big push for the last Jedi. So the panels and the topics and the filmmakers involved at that celebration were more varied. You know, there was uh, Ryan Johnson. And then at the same time, there was uh, some dis discussion about Solo was starting. And 
Um, you still had episode nine looming at that point with Colin Trevorrow. Whereas this time around at Celebration, it really felt like, man, if it weren't for Filoni and Favreau, we wouldn't have anything to show you. Because mm-hmm. there was zero talk about movies, not a single movie right. was really talked about. In fact, it was almost like they were going out of their way to not talk about it. Um, whether that be because there's been produ- production issues or what have you, we know Rogue One, uh, Rogue Squadron's kind of been pushed around and delayed here and there. Um, the chatter on Taika's movie is interesting because he's a very busy guy as well. Um, and when that movie will come to fruition, we we're not sure. And so they focused instead on all of their Disney plus shows and then Willow and <laughs> Indiana Jones five, um, which, which I thought was interesting, but um, <clears throat> yeah, yeah Avro and Filoni are, are to me, the guys, you know, in the pyramid, um, it should be Kathleen at the top handling the business and letting Filoni and Favreau do the creative and take it from there. You know, I, uh, Patty Jenkins is great and I'll, I'll watch Rogue Squadron. Taika Waititi is great. I'll watch whatever he does. But after watching these shows, you know, Deborah Chow, uh, Rick Femiua, Bryce Dallas Howard, to me, these people are the future of Star Wars and they've already proven it. You know, right. even Peyton Reed, um, who does Ant-Man, you know, and then he comes in and does some amazing Mandalorian episodes. I'd love to see a, a Peyton Reed Star Wars movie. I think there's a lot of people that are proving themselves in the, the live action show space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Filoni as well. He's getting there. Um, I, I want those guys to be uh, directing movies uh, going forward. So. And I'm, I'll be curious. I'm more curious now about John Watts's uh, skeleton crew uh, show with uh, Jude Law as well too. Now, uh, I saw some people speculate that Jude Law might be Thrawn in that too. So that, well, yeah, that's interesting. So uh, our my friend Jordan Mason, who writes for Cinelinks, he had kind of broke the news on this series a, a while back. Um, I think um, or was part of breaking it when it was kind of going by its production title, which was Grammar Rodeo which I think is like a Simpsons reference. Simpsons reference, yeah. But so what was interesting is when I first heard about this show, I was told it was set in the High Republic era and that the kids were like Jedi Padawans. And and even going that far back, there was discussion of Jude Law being in the show and being this kind of the guy who gets stuck babysitting them on this mission. Um, But to hear that officially, you know, from the... uh, from the convention that it's set post return of the Jedi in the Mando verse. That was uh, extremely uh, surprising to me. So I wonder where that will fit in. And, you know, are those kids force sensitive, um, you know, would be Jedi students for Luke or, or what have you, I guess we'll have to wait and see, but um, the series Rangers of the new Republic that was originally announced that isn't happening. It looks like this has sort of slid into its spot to uh, continue the shared universe. So, well, that's going to do it for our our news segment this week. Uh, We'll be back in a moment. First, you're going to hear a a brief review from a familiar voice again this week about part three of the show. And then after that, we'll be back to discuss part three of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hello there. 
Like I said, this is where the fun begins. Episode three of Obi-Wan Kenobi was very good. We're at the halfway point and I'm liking what I'm seeing right now. Vader, Vader, Vader. I love it and I want more. We're going to see where Obi rises from his lowest point to that battle we're going to see inevitably in episode six. So I can't wait to see more of Obi-Wan Kenobi. All right, and we are back. Thank you, Vector, for sending in the listener voicemail about uh, and your review for part three of Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, so, with how that, dare I... you say that about Obi Wan Kenobi? Yeah, <laughs> I know that's not nice. Uh, but we'll, we'll have to see if the the three of us uh, agree with with your takes on the episode as well. Uh, but yeah, so I I I think I'm probably the one that watches the closest to us recording tonight uh what time or like how early in the day did you guys get a chance to watch this episode i didn't get to watch it this morning usually i i try to get up at like five or six and, and watch these uh when they come out uh that's what i did with mandalorian and book of boba fett but just coming back from la and celebration and uh uh, having to go back to work, I uh, I didn't I didn't get this one this morning, so I watched it around um, uh, six p.m. Eastern. So same, I tried to watch it this afternoon, and then we had massive power outages, so kind of put a damper on that one. Nice. Uh, well, I guess technically I watched it at the same time, my time, because <laughs> I watched it at six p.m. Arizona time. But uh, yeah, so. I guess what, what the best place to do is just start from the beginning now. So this kind of this episode starts uh, with uh, Darth Vader in on Mustafar in his back to tank. Um, now, what did you guys think about like this whole opening with like seeing uh, Anakin slash Vader basically getting put together? <laughs> yeah. And in and, and his castle on Mustafar. This was absolutely bonkers. Um, <laughs> this whole episode was bonkers from top to bottom. And I, I know it may not seem that way to some people, but like in terms of the sheer amount of ridiculous things, I never really thought I would see happen in Star Wars. They all seem to be happening here at the same time. And <laughs> like, and right off the, the bat with the, uh, the back to sequence, which, you know, is, it's it's taking um, the stuff we saw in Rogue One a step further. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like blown away by it, and and like Vader sitting in his crazy throne with like the like hologram thing in front of him. I mean, it was so it was so metal. It was like something out of a meatloaf cup like <laughs> cover art, you know? Meatloaf um, cover art. It was so awesome. Yeah, this this whole scene was like really interesting. Like like you know, segueing in between like like Obi Wan on the transport, uh, you hearing like little audio clips uh, like of like Hayden from Revenge of the Sith. You hear a little bit of uh, Liam Neeson as Qui Gon in there. Uh, just kind of like these flashbacks that Obi Wan's having in his head. At the same time, you're seeing uh, Anakin Vader being like put back together, and you can see like his like. Just like how basically messed up his body yeah. is. How he shouldn't be alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was now, very crazy. Like just 
I didn't think they'd even show it because they kind of covered him getting put back together at the end of Revenge of the Sith very briefly. But I think they went just darker with it, which I like. I like when they go darker with things and made it more visceral, which was good. Yeah. And then now, like this this whole episode, I, I guess we can kind of like uh, jump around a little bit. Like later on, Obi-Wan has like this brief vision of like a hooded figure on the horizon, which is, is just straight up Hayden Christensen mm-hmm. as yeah. Anakin. Just bonkers. Um, like what well, it was so crazy. It was like um it was like something you would see in um I thought of the sequences from may- maybe a random uh reference, but uh like Passion of the Christ, whenever they would show like Satan, they, they, oh, yeah. they were always like in the distance with like hooded and surrounded by like cacti and shit like that's sort of what this looked like to me it was so crazy um and it also felt very much like the the scene we see of anakin standing on the balcony on mustafar uh where the tear is coming down his eye you know that sort of just standing with his arms crossed uh kind of kind of looks so that was crazy too i thought i thought this was like really interesting my son he's like who was that i was like oh it was was Anakin. Uh, yeah. So I'm I'm wondering if, if this is is how like we see like quote unquote like Anakin uh, Hayden in the show mm. or like in this way, but because I, I know people are, like, were speculating or um assuming maybe that we'd get like Clone Wars uh like live action uh yeah flashbacks. But I almost think that we won't now and it'll just be more kind of like this like almost like this haunting figure of Anakin that's just kind of following Obi-Wan around more almost not as like an actual that's not like actually Anakin like projecting himself with like the force or anything but like just like Obi-Wan's guilt and right it's it's interesting it's not a force ghost but it's like Anakin manifesting as this you know this ghost to Obi-Wan that's like his you know his past tormenting him because he he failed. Um, and I, I do think we'll see, um, I think we'll see some Clone Wars uh, flashbacks. I don't know to what length, but I think opening the show on a Clone Wars flashback the way they did with episode one, um, I think there's still some uh, unresolved things in that era that they're going to uh, have to uh, expand on. But um yeah, the the stuff with Vader at the beginning was was impressive, and and him essentially in, instructing Reva, um, promising her the position of Grand Grand Inquisitor if she kind of hunts down Kenobi, which I thought was interesting. And also, you know, I, I know we we just have to be patient and wait for things <laughs> to play out, but having the Grand Inquisitor stabbed last episode and not covering it at all in this one was an interesting choice because. Yeah. You know, we know from Rebels that the Grand Inquisitor is still around. So um, is he in a back to tank somewhere or, or sort of what's the deal there? I almost wonder yeah, if that's going to be like, like that last episode. <laughs> yeah, like if that's going to be like the like maybe it'll be like a I don't know Star Wars doesn't really do tags, uh, but like maybe that'll be like something that's like at the end of this the six part series. And you just like see like right him like in, in a back to tank, like in the back somewhere. Be like, oh. He, he's in cold storage and, until uh, he needs to take on the ghost crew in a couple of years. Right. <laughs> or maybe they'll clone him because, you know, 
That's that's something they that can exists. do that. They'll clone him and elongate his head so people stop complaining about it. <laughs> but uh, now, like, I didn't recognize this this voice at, at first, but I'm wondering. I'm assuming you two did, or if you didn't, you noticed the name in the credits later on. Uh, but when Leia and uh, Obi Wan are land on this planet, Mapuzo and are basically trying to meet up with uh, the uh, Hajaz. Uh, yeah, Kumal Ninjiani's uh, character from the last episode's uh, contact for them. Uh, they run into this dude that kind of more or less kind of looks like a like a mole or like a weasel. <laughs> yeah, look, like I thought it was Seth like, Rogan. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what my yeah. wife thought it was first too as well. Yet again, I have to point out. You may be saying this episode wasn't that bonkers, guys. A, a beaver toothed redneck alien <laughs> driving a yellow essentially a yellow school bus with a galactic empire bumper sticker essentially on the back of it like that was a thing that was in this episode and, the, and it picked up obi-wan and leia hitchhiking and then picked up a bunch of stormtroopers who were effectively useless like all stormtroopers are it was essentially like obi-wan was getting a ride with like a like a like a trumper it was so so crazy to see like that sort of uh angle to it and yeah zach brack a braff apparently voiced the character which i thought too seth rogan or maybe even like john c riley it's had that sort of feel to it i could see john c riley i did not read the credits i didn't know it was zach braff so that's a revelation to me yeah but 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 now but now we got donald Faison and zach braff within the the star wars universe that's true that's true Star, Star Wars, Wars Scrubs, here we come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. But yeah, now we just need John C. McGinley. There, there, he can just play someone in the Empire. He's been military his whole life in movies. <laughs> yeah, you could basically just be Dr. Cox, but part of the Empire. Yep. <laughs> but now, like, what did you guys think about like this whole sequence with like Leia and, and Obi-Wan, uh, like in their like cover story, like where Leia more or less takes over? <laughs> And like does like the whole backstory about like her being his dad uh, or her dad rather, uh, right. and then like he slips up and uh, calls her. I thought that was an interesting character choice they made, having him slip up. It just, I don't know why. It just struck out to me as again strange because he's so. He's so I guess. I, ha- I held him in this regard. Like he doesn't make mistakes, but clearly he's just a mistake ridden guy. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was um, uh, a great moment just for, uh, to continually be building Leia as yes, uh, it was. at a very young age, as someone who's very, while she doesn't know she's using the force, she clearly is using the force um, in terms of how she uh, connects with people and how she, kind of knows what's really ticking uh with them like she broke down her cousin viciously in the last episode but yeah i thought that was a very nice touch to have her come up with this cover story because it 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 ties directly to when we see leia for the first time in a new hope and she's she's lying to vader's face about what she's doing on the ship you know like Mm -hmm. uh, so i i think that that was a very uh nice character moment and i think vivian uh lyra blair uh lyra blair as leia she's fantastic to me she completely captures um 
the character uh, and what I imagine the character to be a, as a kid. So uh, I, I really like their scenes together. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a nice, um, it's a nice reprieve from the rest of the episode, which is very dark. So I think it balances itself out uh, with those mm-hmm. moments. Yeah. The, the thing I liked here too, was uh, like when he's telling the lie to the, the troopers and later on, she kind of questions Obi-Wan if he knew her real mother and, and then he like even asks if he is her real dad <laughs> which which i almost thought was like a um like a subtle reference to like because i know there's like a section of like star wars fans that like wanted padme and obi-wan to be together so i yeah. just wonder if it's like a like a slight like hey that was all that was all really interesting because it also strangely enough was making me think of the return of the Jedi, not return of the Jedi novelization, which um, in the return of the Jedi novelization, it's sort of um, flat out said that Owen Lars is Obi-Wan's brother. And here they talk about Obi-Wan essentially as a baby when he was taken from his family. And he says that he has, flashes he he even uses the same terminology as that leia um uses in return of the jedi when luke asks her about her real mother and she Mm -hmm. says just flashes really and obi-wan says the same thing about what he remembers but he does suggest that he may have had a brother and so to just dangle that out there is very interesting um that can't be coincidence yeah that definitely felt like putting bait on a hook for something there totally so I, i i was intrigued by that and uh I think they're also sort of by introducing this idea, not that they even needed to, but it's like, they're sort of kind of reintroducing elements from these novelizations and stuff. Cause also in the novelization, Leia straight up tells um, Luke that, you know, her mother died when she was like four or something like that, which is different obviously from the, the canon that we know in the movies. So yeah. um, if Obi-Wan can remember these details um, about potentially having a brother and stuff, then you're, you're almost building on the fact that in return of the Jedi, Leia could also, even as a child have these flashes of who maybe her mother was. So I thought that was a nice touch. One thing I was just my brain when she goes, are you my father? I just like expected him to burst out laughing. Like, Oh no, God, no. Just like <laughs> the comedic reaction, like a meme almost coming out of right. it. And then it was just, it was heartbreaking to listen to him tell his story, how he was taken and doesn't remember and like barely remembers. And yeah, it makes you very, rethink the Jedi way. Like very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with like what we know about, like in Phantom Menace, how, like Anakin is like what, like nine years old in that, mm. and they say that he's already too old there. So, like, yeah. how how old? And like when you were talking about Ahsoka a little bit earlier, uh, with her being a baby, like how old are like are these perspective Jedi Padawans? Like when they're taken, are they just like straight up like two, three years old, or close to yeah. like infants, basically? And going back to previous um, Obi-Wan episodes where Owen says, You're, you don't care if he's okay. You want to know if he's showing. So, you know, it sort of suggests that 
Jedi are kind of looking for force sensitives to display some sort of talent at a very young age so they can mm-hmm. then recruit them. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's of course always the thing with Luke and Leia is they're allowed to kind of grow up their own way outside of that um, very strict uh, dogma of the Jedi. And they get to sort of choose their moment of um, making a choice to, to sort of be a hero instead of um, being recruited unwillingly into it. Yeah. Uh, and then, so like soon, like after this, uh, Freck, which I, which I guess is the name of Zach Braff's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Zach Braff's character. Uh, they stop at a checkpoint uh, and report with the troopers there. And like this whole kind of like shootout with, with Obi-Wan. Sh- now for a second, I almost thought like that, like he was, like the probe droid didn't like actually read his face and like if he hadn't shot it they would have been okay <laughs> uh, right. but i but i think it it it, it i think it did read his face because it was like red right so yeah yeah and they okay. said it transmitted it and all that okay I'm pretty sure yeah but i thought like that whole scene was was great and then like that that's that trooper falls off the tower like over the gate oh my god sli- yeah, again adding to the bonkers comment i never thought oh. i'd see that <laughs> just a, it's a man bisected by a laser fence i, I don't like my whole family and my couch are like holy crap what just happened yeah because <laughs> i was not expecting that i was like oh it's just it's just like lights it'll just like fall through it right but 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 then what i thought was funny is that like obi-wan like shot it shot it out so that they could i was like just just walk around <laughs> there's like the whole that's what thing. i thought there's, he was gonna do just, was just, just, like... just walk around <laughs> but it, it, i don't know if either of you saw it, but the unbearable weight of massive talent that's what it reminded me of it and this is star wars connection because pedro presco uh, <laughs> i think it was in one of the trailers too like yeah like they like are trying to climb over the the fence and then there's just like this wall that they could just walk around like three feet to the right yeah right that's what i was thinking about during this right here but uh and then this is where we get speaking up to pedro pascal again this is where we get uh tala durith who was uh his uh his girlfriend uh lady mistress on uh game of thrones uh so yeah we get more game of thrones here in a galaxy Mm -hmm. far far away and what's kind of interesting about this is that like she's a an imperial officer who's actually like defecting uh who had joined up when she thought it was like the empire was doing like good and then more like slowly realized who like yeah. the empire really was so sort of a, that, a, yeah. a callous before callous yeah. you know fulcrum kind of kind of role well it's yeah. a good point like you made like because obi-wan tells his tells leia like your dad yeah he works for the empire but he's trying to do good it's like it's an interesting thing to think of bell organa as part of the empire i never put those two and two together until he said that yeah yeah it's basically kind of trying to take it down from the inside and and we'll see more of that in andor with uh, mon mothma she's going to be very much in the same position of you know uh at one point being part of the imperial senate and making that decision to leave and you know start the alliance so i hope we see more of that yeah and i wouldn't be surprised if uh jimmy smith shows up again in that show too oh yeah oh yeah well jimmy smith is going to get miles out of this character yeah 
he's been in a ton of stuff so far. <laughs> uh, but but Tala brings them uh, Obi Wan and Leia into like the like nearby settlement uh, where they like lay low for a few hours. Uh, kind of shows them like this like safe house. Uh, and she talks to them at one point about working with Carlin uh, Voss. Now that name seems familiar, and I I feel bad that I don't remember why I recognize that name, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Adam here because I'm assuming yeah. that you you remember. <laughs> yeah, Quinlan Voss is a is a fellow Jedi Knight, and uh, you uh, if I'm remembering this right, he started as just a background character in the Phantom Menace. You see him sitting at a table during the uh, altercation between. Jar Jar and Sebulba. He's just a cool looking guy in the background. And George decided at some point, oh, I'm, let's make this guy like a Jedi. Like, I like how he looks. I want to, you know, give him a backstory. And so Quinlan Voss became a character that was featured more in comics and stuff. And then he uh, he's actually named name or referenced by name in Revenge of the Sith um, when Anakin is late for, you know, whatever briefing they're having about the, the Clone Wars. Um, he comes into the, the meeting room and Kenobi tells him, well, Master Voss is leading his troops to Baz Pati or, or something like that. So he was referenced in the movies and then he, he appeared in the Clone Wars. And um, as I recall, his arc, uh, he's one of those characters like Asajj Ventress that unfortunately, because the Clone Wars was canceled, there were additional arcs planned for his character that didn't get made. And so... Uh, Quinlan Voss and Asajj Ventress, they, they sort of, I guess, fell in love and they, they have, there's a book called Dark Disciple that tells sort of the end of their character arc. But yeah, fun, a fun reference uh, for uh, people of not necessarily the expanded universe, but that ancillary material, comics and, and stuff like that. Nice. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm glad like they're like working more stuff like this into like these different shows and stuff to mm-hmm. it's like a nice payoff and yeah for everyone that's like reading different stuff or just you know paying attention to things in different mediums and whatnot uh but from there that's where uh vader shows up into the settlement and now like well uh like kenobi and leia are in there like all of a sudden you like see like kenobi almost like it made me laugh for a second just because it almost looked like he like was like reeling over almost like he had like food poisoning or something. <laughs> um, but it was, it also then reminded me of like a new hope is like a, a presence I have not felt since. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah. Right. So it's like that whole bit. And then like, you know, that Vader could sense him there too. And that's, that's why he was doing all that. Like with, you know, just like, force pulling people out of windows <laughs> just killing okay. everybody <laughs> okay yet again just absolutely <laughs> bonkers he he snapped a dude's neck with the force he yeah. drug a lady over the ground with the force um he was stalking obi-wan like michael myers through this <laughs> like, mining colony you know like he would pop up out of nowhere obi-wan would be running you could just almost imagine vader just sort of walking like Jason yeah. or Michael, <laughs> and then but yeah. still somehow always ending up in front of him. Um, I loved the cinematography there uh, by uh, Chung Chung Hoon, the cinematographer of like Stoker and Old Boy and The Handmaiden. Um, really elevated the the horror in those sequences. Um, I, I truly felt that Vader was this terrifying 
uh, killer. You know, it's it's interesting that if you look at Vader as a character in the movies and and Anakin as a character in the movies, like Anakin's fall is really the darkest thing he ever does. You know, mm-hmm. k- killing the younglings is is the worst thing that Vader ever does. And not to diminish that because it is terrible, but the Vader that we see in the original trilogy is much more of like a broken right. slave to, to Palpatine. You know, he's he's doing his master's bidding. Whereas here, I truly felt that Vader was kind of unleashed and was um, cruel and and doing things that um, Anakin at his darkest would also do. So uh, I I really enjoyed the uh the the development there and the connection and mm-hmm. also the voice of vader really interesting because now we're seeing you know reports that james earl jones is voicing the character again however if you look in the credits credit uh, credits there's absolutely some synchronization going on with that voice and what i'm assuming they've done is more or less what they did with mark hamill in Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett, which is they had the actor read the lines and then they, uh, you know, using the deep fake uh, synthesizer um, technology, they were able to replicate that with, you know, clips of James Earl Jones from his vast catalog of work, (laughs) you know, and and, uh, rebalance it out to, to make him sound youthful again, because as great as it was hearing him in Rogue One, I think you really could hear the age on his voice. Uh, oh yeah, and I was I was listening for that in this to see if you could tell. Whereas, man, like when he starts talking here, it's like, whoa, that's yeah, that's Darth Vader. Um, so, well, yeah. one thing I was uh, as you're talking, because I just remember through some DVD commentary of some kind that hearing that there exists an audio track from the original movies of the dude playing Vader in the suit, reading the lines and like yeah, everyone laughing Powell. about it because he sounds nothing like James Earl Jones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was like, uh, I think he was Irish. Yeah. Uh, some, I, I was going to say Eastern European or Irish or something. I just, I want, it just makes me want to think like, I want to hear that just because I want to hear it, but it just brings that memory back. Like on set, someone's saying these lines, so they don't know what it's going to sound like. Yeah. maybe they have voice modulators that can do it in real time. I don't know. Yeah. He was, he was um, English. So I think he may have had like maybe a Cockney accent or something, but um, it's yeah. Vader with a Cockney accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. Then, <laughs> I agree so much with your take on that, Adam. And I'm so happy that they made Vader this lurking broody brute not this like spry doing flips and all this crazy shit. Cause that's not who Vader was. Like he is methodical. He is. Yes. He's emotional, but like his, he is intentionally doing what he's doing. It's not a reaction. And that's, he could have like to see him sprinting after Obi-Wan would have just ruined it. And, and that, that moment where. Um, Obi-Wan you know, they're, they're staring at each other and Obi-Wan's like, what, you know, what have you become? And Vader says, I am what you made me. I mean, it's just like an incredible moment that it feels so organic and so obvious. It's kind of crazy that we hadn't thought about it before, 
but that yeah. that would have to be a moment you know that obi-wan realizes not only is anakin alive but this is what's become of him and and, and vader even tells him you should have killed me when you right. had the chance not only saying that perhaps he's become more powerful but also maybe a bit of a plea that <laughs> you know i i'm this walking nightmare i'm this machine you know mm-hmm. that i you should have finished finished me when you had the chance so i thought that was really interesting added a lot of layers to that dynamic and what we know uh from a new hope yeah and like yeah this whole like scene in the the quarry with now like i i wasn't sure like how late into the show like obi-wan was gonna ignite a saber like <laughs> like if they were gonna like hold it off until like the maybe like the last episode or like to like really build like when he finally like ignites it like he like he needs to which i mean he did in this episode like he even like was reluctant to ignite it like when he like you was like dude just light it up uh but right with the like blast like instead he was using a blaster and stuff yeah yeah like this whole scene was cool too i I loved how they lit it because it's like one of the few times uh in star wars where there's actually like the like the lighting from the saber like lighting the I scene that too because uh, i mean it was i think only other times are like in uh force awakens uh yeah that's and, really where it started was force awakens and yeah uh, i guess you get some of it in the last jedi and uh rise of skywalker as well but yeah it was very cool to see that sort of lighting on established characters like yeah. and obi-wan for the first time I want to say there's a little bit of an attack of the clones just because of uh, like Dooku cuts out the lights and that. There is. It was just a bit of a different um, technique that they used. I think at that point they were actually just swinging lights at each other, which, you know, it's more or less the same thing, but it it wasn't (laughs) quite as refined as what they have now for actual lightsabers. Yeah. Now, like Obi-Wan's already been burned a few times in in this season between Owen and then, you know, the, with the, the burn about with uh with vader to to him about i am what you made me but then vader knocked over a vat of like crystals yeah. and then then he put his lightsaber to the crystals and set them on fire again <laughs> this is insane stuff then he dragged obi-wan like two-faced style through it um yeah which i just thought was incredible i mean it's just like that's the stuff like as a kid, like you're playing with toys or something like that's something like you're dreaming about is like these sort of confrontations. So it was just, mm-hmm. it was uh, mind boggling really to see it come to life. Yeah, no, it was like more or less basically making him experience what he experienced. Yeah. And I, and I feel like uh, if uh, I'm already forgetting her name, uh, not who's with her name. Uh, with leia tala yeah if tala hadn't like shown up to like shoot yeah uh that like well i mean you know that like he was fine because episode four but (laughs) but yeah like if she hadn't been there to distract him like i don't know like how much like worse that maybe would have got or if i don't know but that like whole thing was great it'll be interesting to see i'm assuming this isn't the like the rematch duel that kathleen kennedy was talking about years ago it's just kind of like the the, the (laughs) i can't imagine it is no yeah like the build up the the precursor to what either 
which I'm probably assuming is what they're holding until like the last episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was crazy. And uh, like, like you're saying, the cinematography of that scene was great with the fire and like the silhouette of Vader and that and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's sort of, um, <laughs> I, I, I use like pro wrestling terminology, like <laughs> in, in pro wrestling, you have these angles where you have multiple matches between people and, there's a, there's a rubber match where essentially mm-hmm. the payoff, someone's going to finally win the feud and it's going to, you know, they're going to go on to fight someone else. And this felt like, you know, Obi-Wan won the first match. Vader wins this match pretty decisively. Um, and so now we have to have the rubber match, you know, they're tied at one and one, we have to have the payoff and that's, that's Kenobi um escaping vader and sort of getting the upper hand in this next battle to me um so we'll see how that plays out but you know uh i have to imagine we're gonna get that shot like the rebel shot where vader's mask is cracked or cut and we see anakin's eye under there Mm -hmm. you know we got to get something like that yeah i'm excited for that uh, and to see what else is going to happen here. Uh, and then like this last little bit of like where the episode ends is uh, Leia has basically headed off by herself to meet up with the, the, the ship that was to head out to, to Alderaan. And there she runs into the third sister, AKA uh, Riva, uh, who's arrived first and killed the pilot there. And she tries to basically win Leia's trust, but Leia, starts to turn around and run and that's where the episode ends so yeah <laughs> yeah uh is a very rev is a very interesting character i don't know if you guys touched on this in the first two episodes but my my personal theory on reva is that at the very beginning of the first episode she's one of those padawans yeah mark brought that yeah. up last episode yeah. And I feel like that's gonna gonna be kind of part of her motivation for wanting Kenobi. Like, yes, she has this desire to sort of move up within the Empire, but I think really she maybe hates Obi-Wan for sending out that distress signal and sending everyone away from the Jedi Temple because they were stuck at the Jedi Temple and they needed help. So I'm wondering how that's gonna play out. Uh, but I, I think her character is really interesting. And again, I'm still waiting to see what happens with uh, with the Inquisitor there. But uh, the other other character that pops up in this episode that I really liked was Ned B, the cargo. Yes, droid. I wanted him to hit someone with that hammer so bad. <laughs> he very much had like a Baymax type <laughs> personality. He's like this gentle giant type character. And uh, yeah, absolutely want to see him smash up some stormtroopers soon. Yeah, I I liked that trooper too. And I, for a second, I thought that was gonna be. I saw Shay Jackson Jr. tweet some earlier. He's like, "How how do y'all like that episode?" So I I kept waiting for O'Shea Jackson Jr. to show up. Yeah, I, I thought he was like maybe he voiced that that droid, but then the droid didn't talk. So right, he'll yeah, get his but, voice before the series is over. You watch. Yeah, I think he's. Um... He shows up next episode. I think he's sort of the next link in the chain of trying to get um, Leia back to Alderaan. But yeah, 
yeah definitely definitely looking forward to it we're gonna have to wait a little bit longer than we did between these these first three episodes until we get part four yeah but it's already halfway over i know it's crazy hasn't even been out for a week yet but uh so we're gonna wrap up the show for this week we want to thank thank you adam for coming on with us and talking with part three of the show yeah thanks for having me uh but everyone that's listening, uh, you can leave us a review on the podcast catcher of your choice. If it allows you to do so, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever, helps us out a lot. You can follow the show on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, all the places, just by looking for Hold a Pod and Hold a Maneuver Podcast on YouTube. Uh, and then you can follow us individually uh, on all those places. Uh, for me, you can just search my first and last name, Mark Vibber, M-A-R-C-V-I-B-B-E-R-T. Uh, Mike? Same. I'm um, at Michael Soren. Last name not spelled the way you think. It's S A W R A N, and then there's an underscore at the end. Um, I mainly post about things I'm uh, uploading to YouTube. So <laughs> if you want to know when I'm dropping stuff, follow me on YouTube or follow me on Instagram and Twitter. There you go. And then Adam. And uh, I'm at Adam Frazier, and that's F-R-A-Z-I-E-R. And I uh, I write a column called Star Wars Bits for Slash Film that comes out every Friday. So I've got a lot to write about this week. So that's okay. going to be what I'm doing for, for the next day <laughs> or two. And I'll put Adam's link tree uh, in our show notes so you can check that out and all Poppin' Pizza and First Show and, and, all, and all, that, all this stuff. Cool. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, and then you can check out our editor's uh, Instagram and Twitter for Vactor, B-A-C-T-O-R. And then you can email us at holdapod at gmail.com. But as always, we are grateful to George Lucas for creating the Star Wars universe. Link the maker. Ooh. I'm never going to be able to do C-3, yeah, C-3PO. You realize this. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Till next time.